Alright, so last week, last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 13.4. I don't know about you, but I'm really enjoying this series. Um, you know, I, I gotta be honest. I, there are some series that, uh, that I, I think, oh, this is gonna be just incredible. Other series I'm thinking, this is gonna be really meaningful. Um, well, this series caught me a little bit off guard in the sense that, um, it has really impacted my own life in such a profound way. Um, and I know it's impacted your lives because you've been sharing so much with me. So I'm really excited. Every, every Sunday now I'm getting up here in this series and just so excited about what's coming next, if you will. So last week we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. And we said, love is patient, love is kind. Well, this morning we're going to continue our study in 1 Corinthians 13 by looking at verses 7 and 8. And it says this, it always protects, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Okay, so what happens here, Paul sums up uh, all of this, verses 7 and 8, basically in, in three words. It says, love never fails. Love never fails. You want to be sick. You think about it. You want to be successful in life. You want your life to count. You truly want your life to count. The Bible says love never fails. So if I love the Lord, my God, with all my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind and all of my strength, and I love my neighbor as myself, then my life will be and has been a success. I can just basically drop the mic, boom, walk off the stage. Sermon's over, right? Seriously. If you love people, if you love God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself, and that's what you accomplished in this life, your life has been a massive success. Period. Exclamation point. End of story. No more to say. doesn't matter what else you did in this life. If you want your life to be a success, then you love. Love never fails. It never fails. If you want a successful life, you need to love. But what is love? I started thinking about that. What is love? Love is probably the most misunderstood and misused word in the English language, right? Think about it. We have love songs. I mean, some of them are awful, right? Just, I mean, not just the music's awful. The words are awful. It has nothing to do with love. God is God. God defines love. And what they're defining as love is not love. But we have, we have good love songs. We have really bad love songs. We have love stories, okay, of all kinds. We, 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 we use the word, if you were, will, interchangeably, okay, all, all the time. I say, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love America. I love lobster, okay? I love chili dogs. Not My stomach doesn't like chili dogs as much as I used to, but I like chili. I love chili dogs. I love catching big fish. All right? Now, we use that, I love my wife, I love my, I love God, I love God. I also say, I love God, but I love chili dogs. Okay? It's just not the same, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, we use it interchangeably. We just kind of throw that word around in, in different ways. Well, in verse 7, Paul gives us four definitions of love. He shows us four ways to develop a successful relationship. He says it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. So let's start out with number one. Number one, protect people's worth. 
That's number one. You want to have a strong relationship. You want to have an intimate, deep relationship. You want to have a loving relationship with other people. You want to have that. Then love protects people's worth. It always protects. The word protects in the Greek means to cover with a roof. Think about it. That's what it means, the word this always protects. To cover, if you will, to cover with a roof. A house without a roof is not much shelter when there's a storm. I mean, who of you would buy a house that has no roof? No one, unless you're, unless you're building it and you, oh, let's, it's being built. But you don't buy a house if it has no roof. It covers, it protects. Likewise, the Bible says love is like a roof. It covers over, it protects, it defends. That's what it means. It always protects. Here's the thing. Here's why this is so important. Self-esteem, okay, in human beings is so fragile. People, uh, people get their feelings so easily hurt. It's so easy to hurt someone's feelings. And what the Bible says is love protects. Love covers over. Love defends, if you will. We should be asking ourselves, honestly, if we want deep and healthy relationships, we should be asking ourselves, how can I protect another person's worth? I want, and seriously, especially if you're in junior high, high school, whatever, you're younger, don't turn me off here. This is so important, okay? This is so important. You wonder why you, you, you have such difficulty in relationships. And honestly, the reason you're so miserable much of the time when you're younger is because you're really poor at relationships. You don't understand how they work really well yet. I'm going to help you, honestly. I'm going, to, I'm going to wipe out so much of your sorrow in your life. Listen, you've got to protect the other person's worth. You need to try, to, you need to, try to, to minimize their hurt. Try to minimize their hurt and, and their mistakes. Not emphasize when they blow it. Okay, if you're friends, if you're friends with someone, you try to minimize their mistakes, not emphasize when they make a mistake or when they, when they blow it or something else. You know what phrase I cannot stand? Well, she's never gonna live that one down. You do something, right? You, you, none of us are perfect and we all make mistakes and then you do something and people like pounce on it and they love the phrase, he's never gonna live that down. I'll never, I'll, I'll never let him live that down or he's never gonna live, she's never gonna live that down. I can't stand that as a Christian. Because as a Christian, you're constantly growing. God is, and when I ask forgiveness, when God, when God gave me Christ and I ask forgiveness in Christ's name, God forgives me. God can forgive me. God can forgive me, but I'm never going to live that down. That's it, right? Boom. Stamp. Loser. You made that mistake ten years ago. Your life's over. I, I, I just, it just drives me crazy. Love is willing to overlook people's faults. Especially if people are asking forgiveness. There's a difference between someone who walks around doing stuff that's horrible and just thinks, well, it's hey, none of your business, do what I want to do, and doesn't, doesn't really acknowledge they did something wrong. That's just different here. You have to have nuances. But when someone does something that's wrong or fails or messes up and they acknowledge it, then we need to, we need to basically, in First Peter 4, 8, it says this, love covers over a multitude of sins. It covers over a multitude of sins. Now, listen, these may not be sins. They may not be sins, but while leading Grace Chapel, I've made some, in the last 18 years, some horrible mistakes. 
I went left when I should have gone right. I went up when I should have gone down. I did this when I should have done that. All kinds of mistakes. That if I didn't make those mistakes, we'd be better off as a church. Maybe not, because maybe I've learned from those mistakes and we've, you know, now we're better off. But I've made some awful mistakes. We all make those kinds of mistakes. But when it comes down to it, what love does is come around a person when they make those mistakes, they come around that person and they encourage them. They cover them. They don't look for an opportunity to point it out and bring it up and throw it up in their face constantly. It's like, that's the past. That's the past. The other way you protect people's worth is by not gossiping about them. Not talking, not talking behind their back. Not looking for an opportunity to make them look foolish. Not reminding people of their failures. You ever had people around you who just love to remind you of your failures by talking to everyone else about it? You know, you, you thought you'd let that go, but oh, that person brings it up. Always behind the scenes, gossiping and talking and bringing it back up and throwing it up in your face. That is not love, okay? And people don't want to, people don't want to acknowledge that when you behave that way, that you're not a loving person. You say, you want to see, everybody wants to see themselves, oh, I'm a loving kind, considerate. But then you do that to other people. You do that to other people. God says if you treat people that way, that's not love. When, when you gossip and, and, and malign and remind people of their failures and failures, can you imagine if, if you walked around, oh, that's what God did to you every time. You remember that thing two years ago? What, Lord? That thing two years ago, you remember that? You're having a good day. He reminds you of what you did two years ago. The Bible says when you ask God to forgive you, he separates it as far as the east is from the west. God chooses, now God can remember anything he wants to remember, but he chooses to forget your sin when you ask for forgiveness. That's what we should do. Now, obviously, we can remember what a person did, but we should, like, choose to forget people's mistakes. I had a friend. This is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. I had a friend, and I let this friend live with me when I was in college. And... I loved I loved sports and I loved playing football and baseball and all that kind of stuff. And I remember I don't know if you guys ever I played softball when I became a Christian in like the church leagues, right? And we would play softball and it was great and people could pitch pretty well. But have you ever gone up against a person who was on a professional softball team, a pitcher? I I hadn't. Okay, even in even playing baseball, and I thought, well, how hard can it be? So we did a we did a charity event. Against our team played against a professional softball team in a charity event, and, and I, it was amazing. I, I stood up there. I'm telling you, I stood up there, and he he just was. I don't know how he did. It, he was like, oh, when the ball, and it comes, it comes up. It doesn't come down, and it comes up, and he struck me out. I mean, I I didn't. Even, I can't even remember the three pitches. You know what I'm saying? I think I just swung with my eyes closed, hoping I'd hit something, because it was no one scored on this guy. It was incredible, a softball. And then I watched them actually professional softball players strike out like major league baseball players. I didn't feel so bad. But here's my point. My fr- one of my friends that I was that I let live with me, uh, he taped. It was on the radio because it was an event, so it was on the radio. And before we went to sleep each night, he would play my strikeout and what the announcers would say for like two weeks. Imagine laying your head on your pillow, he hits the button and plays my strikeout two or three times before I went to sleep. 
reminding me of my failure, reminding me of how, I mean, basically, the, I think the person said, because now I remember, because I, you know, I heard it like 25 times before I went to bed, right? You know, he looked like he was just protecting himself. <laughs> and it was true. I, I, that's what it was like. I was just protecting myself. Let me just get out of here. But he reminded me of my failure over, is that what we do to people? You say, well, I would never do that. But do you remind people of their failures? Do you just kind of bring it up to your, to your spouse? Do you bring it up to your friends? Just kind of remind them of their failures. Love says, wow, you've really come a long way. That's what love says. Man, from where you were before, yeah, you may have gotten, you may have been arrested or when you were younger, or you may have gone through all this kind of stuff and, you know, but you know what love says? Love says, man, you've really come a long way. You've changed. You're changing. God is doing something miraculous in your life. That's what love, that's what love says. Proverbs 17, 9 says this. He who covers over an offense loves, but he who repeats a matter separates even the closest of friends. Let that sink in. You repeat something to someone, I'll tell you what, they know you don't love them and they do not want to be around you for very long. So you love people by protecting their dignity and their self-worth. You've got to ask yourself too, why is it that we like to get dirt on people and then we like to, um, we like to gather up all that dirt and then we like to spread the dirt around? We like to, we like to, we like to hear it uh, and then we like to spread it. You've got to ask yourself, if that's what you enjoy doing, I'm just being honest. I love you to death. I really I love everyone here in this room. I sincerely do. But if, if that's, if you, I don't care, again, junior high, high school, well, I'm, I'm younger. I don't care. Where does the Bible says you're younger so you get away with that kind of thing? All right? You do that, and I'm saying that's, and what you need to work on in your life is love. That's an area of your life you need to work on. And that's hard to hear because everybody, again, thinks of themselves as I'm so loving, I'm so compassionate, I, I care about people. But if you treat, if you gossip or love to grab dirt on other people and spread it around, that's not love. That's something that you would need to work on in your life. Love, listen, love hates scandals. Love hates scandals. Love, love does not want to expose other people's messes. Love always protects. It always protects. The next time you are tempted, okay, you're tempted to share some other gossip or garbage about someone else that you know is going to harm them. You're not protecting their self-worth. You know it's going to harm them. Ask yourself, ask yourself the question, what does that say about me? Now, Pastor Annie's going to come up and share the second point of developing strong relationships. Good morning, my morning. My intro is a little less than David's. We're only allowed one of those per Sunday, per service. But uh, uh, for those who don't know me, I am the pastor of children's and youth ministry here at Grace Chapel. And, and what a blessing it is to have our youth in this service. Um, we have a bunch back here and I know we have some mixed in with their parents. But uh, it, just what Jeff is sharing, we did a survey one time and the youth shared how much of a struggle relationships can be with friends, with dating, with parents, with siblings. Um, so it is, you know, a pleasure to have him in here. It's kind of been a blessing in disguise. We are replacing the HVAC system over there. And in the process of doing that, we've had the opportunity to come in here and be part of worship. Uh, in the last two weeks, we went to the hive. And just a quick update. Last week, we set up 48 chairs in the hive classroom. If you ever been in the hive, it, it, we were squeezing them in there. And we're like, oh, this is plenty of room, you know, or this is plenty of chairs. And 
We ended up having to get more chairs. We had over 50 kids. We had kids sitting on the floor. We had kids poke their head in the door and be like, ah, that's too crowded in there. So I just want to keep encouraging our youth because of the importance they have to this entire church and just uh, uh, encouraging the church that we have such a group of dynamic leaders. And if you've never had the opportunity to be a part of a Sunday morning service or Sunday night or Wednesday night, I want to invite you or keep inviting you because that group is strong and built because of the relationships uh, that they have. Oops, I'm sorry. So we would love if you haven't had the opportunity to come check that out. But back to the, the sermon, the, the second point is trust people's intentions. Um, the verse says, love always trusts. Love always trusts. And we can identify three different types of people in the world when it comes to categorizing trust. There's gullible people that trust anybody and everybody. There's cynics that don't trust anybody. And then there's this category of loving people that can find the balance and typically give people the benefit of the doubt. I would fall within the category of being gullible. And um, when I coach basketball at CHCA, my assistant coaches knew that. I always told them that I trust you and I love you. That's why I believe everything you say. And they would take advantage of that and just make up things. Hey, coach, uh, did you know you got the coach of the week award? And down in the cafeteria, there's the dean of the school there's the head of the school there's the chick-fil-a cow with 100 chick-fil-a sandwiches and carson palmer's down there and all right carson palmer doesn't even play for the bengal no he's down there go go so of course i would go down there walk in there'd be like a study hall and i'd end up asking a question like is uh are there 100 chick-fil-a sandwiches in carson palmer no all right and then i'd walk out and i'd just imagine them saying something like that's the basketball coach guy's a moron walking around looking for Carson Palmer and a hundred Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Anyway, that story would always end with me telling my assistants they're idiots. You guys are idiots. Stop, stop doing that. You're wasting my time. But we can kind of categorize um, ourselves. And the goal is to be in the category of we are loving people that give uh, the person in the relationship the benefit of the doubt. So the question is, how do we trust people? How do we trust people in the relationship? And there's a lot of different ways, but one way we can do it is to give them that second chance. I think we can all maybe think of something or a time that you messed up, we messed up, and the other party in the relationship gave you that second chance. And the bond and the strength that it created um, is something that is, is, can really be second to none. Um, giving people second chances and developing trust builds a confidence within a relationship. You know, we do live in a society where people, as Jeff was sharing, are often offended or they think the other party is their intentions are the worst. Their intentions are to hold us down, to keep us down, to keep us back. Uh, but often people are just human. Often people make mistakes. They overthink the situation. They underthink the situation. They're immature. It's the first time they've ever been in that situation. I imagine, not imagine, I know everyone pretty much in here that had teenagers or has teenagers, the first time raising a teenager is when your son or daughter was a teenager, right? So your intentions are there, but you've never been in that situation before. That's often how it is. C.S. Lewis wrote, people are neither totally sincere nor totally hypocritical. Their moods change, their motives are mixed, and they are often quite mistaken as to what their motives are. People make mistakes. People make mistakes, but in a loving relationship, we need to trust the intentions. So the practical thing, one thing we always try to give our youth is taking something and applying it out in life, is who do you need to give that second chance to? Son, daughter, parent, a relative, husband, wife. 
because the opportunity to grow this relationship is there with that second chance. You know, they may have blown in the past. I've heard stories of siblings that haven't talked in 40 years, 50 years. And then someone asks, well, you know, why, why don't they get along? Or you even ask the two people, you know, why don't you guys speak to each other? And they can't even remember. Because 40 years ago, maybe there was something that happened and they never gave them the opportunity. They never gave them the second chance. See, I often hear this quote that, you know, people, you know, you have to earn trust. You have to earn trust. And sometimes I feel like that's just an excuse for the person that doesn't want to open their heart and give someone a second chance. They just want to sound good. Yeah, hey, you know, they wronged me, but they can earn my trust back in 200 years. Right? I know I've said that, and I've never really had the intent to even allow them to have that trust. So when someone believes in you and you have a relationship built on trust, it's powerful. You can accomplish almost anything out there. And sometimes we have to give someone the second chance. Sometimes if they blow it, we got to say, you know what? I love you. I love you. And I want to give you the second chance because I want something special. See, people need protection and they need trust. And love does those two things. Love always protects and love always trusts. Thank you. Hey, thanks. Hey, um, great job. Um, yes, yes, go ahead. Go right ahead. If, you're, if your student is not involved in our youth ministry, you're missing out. Uh, number three, love always hopes. It always hopes. I love that. Just throw. We got your back. Just throw. You want to build a successful relationship? Expect the best in people. Expect the best. Expect people's best. Always, the Bible says, always hope. Always hope. The fact of the matter is that people have a tendency, honestly, to fulfill what they think we think they are. People have a tendency to fulfill what they think we think they are. You think, well, I don't have that much power in someone else's life. Oh my gosh, you are, you are, you don't understand this life at all, do you? If you think that. 
Remember when you were in third grade and what that person said to you? First grade. Remember what your dad or mom said to you? Remember what your friend said to you? Remember what that teacher said? Remember? You can. You know why you can? <laughs> because of what I just said. They didn't expect the best. They said something derogatory and you remembered it and you held on to it. See, when we speak, when we, when we speak failure into people's lives, it's like self-fulfilling prophecy. Your words are, the Bible says this, our words are powerful. They're powerful. They're dangerous or they're powerful in a good way. But when you speak failure into people's lives, it's like, it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, it's like I said, that teacher or that parent who said, you're never gonna amount to anything. You're never, you're never gonna amount to anything. You, you, you couldn't, you couldn't do that if you tried. That's like self-fulfilling prophecy. You couldn't do that if you tried. When, when we set people up for failure, but here's the thing, love always hopes. Love hopes for the best. Love hopes for the best. It, it, it sees the best in people. I, I have a, I'm going to try to make this story a, a little quick, but I, I want to definitely share it. We, I took a group of high school students on a whitewater rafting trip. And this was probably 22 years ago. And we were on the way down there. We found it. We got our campsite and everything. The next day we're going to go whitewater rafting. And so what are we going to do tonight? So let's just go just driving around and see what's out there. So we drove around. We saw a baseball field. It was a, it was a field with a little league field. And we, we stopped and we, you know, we got out and we kind of looked. And we saw one team was like probably 22 to 2. And so we decided as a group of 50 of us that we were going to cheer for the kids who had two. And so we got up in the stands and all the parents are sitting there and the, you know, your parents are like, oh, Bobby, you know, you know, just try to hit the ball, son. You know what I mean? It was, you know, the parents were just like, when is this going to be over? You know, this is horrible. So we got up there and we, we got to, we got to know who the parents were of the kids that were losing and we said, what's his name? And his name is John. And it was, so, okay, picture this. John gets up to bat, dragging his bat behind him. You know what I mean? Oh man, can I just go home? He gets up there and we start screaming, John, 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 come on, John, you can do it, John. All of a sudden you can see this kid just kind of go from like this to like, Wait a second. Everybody's cheering for him. His parents cheering for him. Fifty people in the stands. There weren't fifty people in most of these stands in their entire lives. Most of the parents don't even want to show up to these games, let alone people who don't like know what's going on. We started cheering for them. It was amazing to watch. To see these kids that were down twenty two to two or whatever, they started coming back. I mean, and even when they made, even when they struck out, we're like, oh, good swing, good swing. These little kids, when they totally messed up or running off the field, like, out of the, you know, hey, I struck out, you know what I mean? It was, it was incredible. I watched this in awe as our kids kept on cheering, come on, you can do it, keep your bat up, do this, do that. And the kids were like, and they were looking up in the stands, their parents were smiling, they were still getting beat, but their parents were smiling, they were smiling, they still got beat, but I'm gonna tell you, it was probably like 25 to 17 or something and, and, and the enthusiasm when the game was over 50 high school students run down on the field make a line hold each other's hands like this okay like this so they're holding each other's hands and make like a tunnel and let all the kids who lost run through the tunnel you'd have thought they won the world series I'm not kidding you they're running through the tunnel yes yes 
Yes, they don't, I don't know why they were cheering so much for losing, but they were so excited because we were excited for them. They were getting killed. Number one, they didn't get killed after that. They played much, much better. Number two, they didn't care if they lost. They felt so good about themselves. And it taught me such a powerful lesson about speaking into people's lives. Love always hopes. It always sees the best in people. Love always hopes. It believes the best. And here's the thing. It expects the best. We expected the best and that's what we got. We got the best that those kids could offer. Their parents were just so moved. Those kids were so moved. See, our words speak power into people's lives. What words are you speaking into the lives of the people around you? To your husband. Oh, he, he, you know, he, he just never, he never listens. My wife, oh, she nags. My kids, that's just the way they are. They've always been that way. So how, what, is that what we're speaking into, into people's lives? They've just, they've always, they've always been that way. See, would you like to influence people for good? Ask yourself, do I want to influence people for good? Do you know, do you want, you all want to know what the secret is of changing people's lives, okay? Here it is, it's one sentence. Love is speaking what you want people to become. You want to change someone's life? You want to change something? You, you, love is speaking into someone what you want them to become. You look at them and say, just throw. Just throw. I've got your back. Just throw. I don't know if I, I don't have anything left. Or I, don't, I don't think I'm kidding. No, yeah, you do. Just throw. Just, just throw. I, I've, I've got your back. I had a close friend, a very close friend I've known for years, say to me about the church. He said, no. He said, go for it. Because I was saying, well, I'm not sure. I, you know. and, and he said, you know, no. He said, I want you to follow your heart. I want you to go for it. He said, I want you to go, you know, go out. And he said, give it, give it all. You fight, like, set this world on fire. Use your gifts. Use whatever God has given you. Set this world on fire. In other words, he was saying, just throw, pastor. Just throw. And what he said, this is the part that really, and, it, and when, I, when, I, when I was writing the sermon, I thought, wow, this is amazing. What he said to me is, quote, I have your back. I have your back. Just throw. Set the world on fire. Use your gifts. Crow. Whatever words you want to use. But just go for it. Go for it. Lead us. Keep us moving forward. He said, just throw. I have your back. You know how, you know how motivating that is when someone says that to you? You know how motivating it is when you're kind of wondering, should we take this next step? Should we do this? You want to be cautious. You want to be smart. You, don't. you know, like I said in the very beginning, I made so many mistakes. When I should have gone left, I went right. When I should have gone up, I went down. Sometimes you think, hmm. And when someone says to you, will you stop? Who cares? You learned, right? Yep. Now just throw. I have your back. Just throw. Love Always hopes. We, we need to emphasize the positive. We need to emphasize the positive. We need to, we need to, we need, people will say to me sometimes, well, I just tell it like it is. Well, you know what? Maybe you should tell it like it could be. How's that? You tell it like, I just tell it like it is. Well, that's encouraging sometimes. I mean, I, I love people, don't get me wrong. Again, 
nuances. I love people who tell truth, okay? Absolutely, even if it's hard to hear. I love that. But, you know, sometimes people get stuck in it. I just tell it like it is. Well, I'm encouraging you this morning to tell it like it could be. Love always hopes. It always hopes. Maybe you should speak... You should, you should speak truth into people's lives. Here, speak, listen, speak potential. Speak power. Speak purpose into that person's life. Tell them just throw, I have your back. Speak power into people's lives. People are walking around kind of dragging the back. Speak power into that person's life. Speak potential into that little one's life. Speak purpose into people's lives. God has gifted you. You are going to be used by God in such a powerful way. I don't care how well you know them. You know that's true. That God wants to use that person in a powerful way. Say that to them. Say it to them. You know what the rest of the world is saying? You're not pretty enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. You're not tall enough. You're not short enough. You're not this. You're not that. That's what the world is saying. You, here's what you can do to be better because you're not good enough. Some of it, you need to speak truth into people's lives. The truth is that they have a unique purpose designed by God. And we need to remind them of that. You say, well, they know that. No, they don't. My gosh, when's the last time someone you look right in the, looked you right in the eye and said something like, just throw, I've got your back. Just throw, I've got your back, instead of the constant negative, negative, negative. Jesus knew this truth. He did, guys. He did. He knew this truth. Peter, <laughs> Peter was wishy-washy. Peter was the guy who let his, he let his emotions dictate his actions. Peter was impulsive. So you have this impulsive, wishy-washy, let, let your emotions dictate your actions kind of guy. And Jesus took him, looks him right in the eye and says, Peter, you're a rock. You're a rock. Peter, you're, you're a rock. You're going to be, what he's saying is, Peter, you're, Wishy-washy, controlled there by his emotions, all of that, okay? Peter, you're gonna be, you're going to be a symbol of stability in this world. That's who you are. What? You're, you're a symbol of stability in this world. Was Peter a rock? No. No. Peter, Peter wasn't even a pebble, to be really honest with you. Peter was, he wasn't just, he wasn't a rock. He wasn't even a pebble. Jesus said to him, Peter, listen to me. He, I could just see him honestly, lovingly taking his hand and put him in his face and say, Peter, just throw. Just, I've got your back. Just throw. I've got your back. You're a rock, man. You're a rock. You're, you're, you're gonna be a symbol of stability. You're going to do things that are so dynamic. Can you imagine Jesus looking in your eyes and tell, when Jesus tells you who you are, that's who you become. Peter, you're a rock. Just throw. I've got your back. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Then love always perseveres. It hangs in there. Love endures. That's number four. Endure people's hurts. Endure people's hurts. The fact is that you all cannot live without people. You think you can sometimes, but you can't. 
You can't live without people. The other fact is, if you have those people around you, they're going to hurt you. I, I love to have better news for you. But you, you, you can't not be around people, alright? You need people, but the people that you need are going to hurt you. People are going to either hurt you unintentionally, or they're going to hurt you intentionally. But love endures the hurt. Now, again, I'm going to have to say this little side note. If someone's abusing you, I'm not talking about that. You set boundaries. You don't let them, you don't allow them in your life that there's hurt, that kind of hurt going on. It's not what I'm talking about. That's not love. The other person's not loving. You need to protect yourself. You set those boundaries up. That's what God says. There's nothing wrong with that. But love, we're talking about normal relationships. Normal Everyday relationships, love, love, okay, endures the hurt. Love always perseveres. It's consistent, love is consistent when other people are inconsistent. Love is faithful when other people are unfaithful. It perseveres. Perseverance means grow, it means growing under pressure. When you say perseverance, the Bible talks about perseverance, it means growing under pressure. That's what it actually means. See, the the fact is, love gives us power. It gives us, it gives us staying power. It gives us the ability to, to keep on keeping on. When things are rough in the relationship, when things are difficult with a sibling or a husband or a wife or uh, friends, when you have friendships and that friendship's going through the rocky parts, it says, listen, this is what the Bible says. You say, I want to be a loving person. What is love? Love perseveres. Pastor Andy said it, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's giving people that other chance, but love perseveres. It, 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 it endures the pain, it endures the hurt. So many people today, they don't, they, they want things, they want love to be easy. It is not easy to love. It is not easy to love at all. People fear commitment. They feel, they fear almost any kind of commitment. The fact is, uncommitted love, uncommitted love isn't worth much. Uh, when you're not committed, uncommitted love is honestly, it's cheap love. It's cheap love. If you truly want to love the way the Bible says to love, it, 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 you, you need to persevere in it. Because that's when it strengthens. You know, there are people in this church that I've had conflict with, and I mean some really kind of knock down, drag out kind of conflict with those people. If those people are still here in this room... I'm probably the, they're some of my closest friends. They really are. We went through the, we went through the hills and the valleys and they, you know what, they gave me the benefit of the doubt. I love them. We may, maybe both made mistakes or whatever else said some things, said whatever the case may be, but you know what? We persevered through it and we're closer. We're stronger. We're bonded because love perseveres. Love is commitment. It endures. Love gives people a second chance. It doesn't give up on people. When they fail, when, when people fail, love says, just keep throwing. Just keep throwing. Keep moving forward. I've got your back. I've got your back. You know, the interesting thing about these four characteristics as we close out here, the four, these, four, these four areas of love, the interesting thing about them is that these are the exact same things that God gives to us. The same things that God gives to us. 
So here's your homework, all right? Hope you did your last two homeworks. Again, I said last week, they're piling up now, okay? So you're going to have to do a lot more homework. Your homework this week is to speak words of encouragement into people's lives. Speak words of encouragement. And, you know, I say that, and you're like, oh, that's easy, okay? Why is it so easy? Think about this. Why is it so easy for negative, aggressive words to just flow out of our mouths and look people in the face and tell them whatever? And then... This is hard homework. I want you to look someone in the eye or just get with someone and speak words of encouragement into their lives. And if you're in junior high and you're in high school or you're younger or maybe even older, okay, for some of you men, I mean, honestly, for some of us men, that's what that's what Pastor David was talking about, getting together and coming around each other. Because for some men, I mean, I talk to so many men whose parents never even told them that they love them. And then they have a hard time saying to their kids, I love you. My dad told me, my dad told me that when he was 50 years old, he took his mother's hands in his face. His mother was, she was, a, she was a good person. I'm not being negative. She just grew up at a different time. But she took, he took his hands and put his mom's hands in her face and held her face and said, Mom, I love you. I love you. And he wouldn't let go until she said it back. And she said, I love you back to him when he was 50 years old. 50. You know, people, a uh, little side thing, I say this all the time, but people, people will say, you know, why, why do you hug people? Do you like hugging people? Now we got other pastors like David. He's like trying to out-hug me. But we got people, he, he's not going to either. I'm going to keep him the hugging. Well, cause he's a lot, he's very huggy. And the, the reason that I hug people is because I, you never know how long a hug has to last someone. That's why I hug him. You never know how long a hug has to last. Not everyone, not everyone has the privilege of having their mom and dad say, I love you, son. I love you, my daughter. I love you. I love you. Love you. Love you too. Love you. You know, love you. That doesn't happen to everybody. I want you to look people in the eye and I want you to encourage them. Encourage them. Give them, say something encouraging to them. Look them in the eye and say, here's what I want you to, and now you don't have to say these words because they don't know what you're talking about. But I want you to look them in the eye and I want you to say, just throw. Or just keep throwing. If they fail, just, just keep throwing. And then you say to them, I've got your back. Just throw. Or just keep throwing. I've got your back. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. God, I love this series. I love this series. there's nothing more powerful in this world than love. Nothing can transform a life. Nothing can change someone more than love. That's not just what I've learned, God, from from your word. That's just what I've learned from experience. Love is so powerful. It's the only thing that can transform. It's the only thing that can overcome people's past. Love. So, God, make us more loving. Make us more compassionate. Give a, and you know what, Lord? I'll tell you what. God, please, give us courage. Because we're cowards sometimes with telling people how much we care about them. Maybe we call someone up on the phone that's done something for us in the past. We call them up and just say, I want to tell you how much I love you because of what you did here, 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 and here. God, give us courage. Make us bold. That we just tell our children, tell our mom, to let our kids walk up to their parents and just say, Mom, I love you, or Dad, I love you, and here's why. Give us that courage. Allow us to love each other the way you love us. 
In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. I love you and have a great week.